on the job with Francis Leach and Sally Rugg. Welcome to On The Job, the show all about making your working life better. My name's Francis Leach and welcome to a very special edition of the program because we're in the middle of a federal election campaign, one that's going to have a huge impact on workers. So we thought we'd better speak to somebody who is leading the campaign for unions around the country, along with uh, members and affiliates all over Australia, fighting for a better deal for workers throughout this campaign. ACTU Secretary Sally McManus joins me. Sally, how are you? I'm great. Good to be here. You and I both got over COVID, so... It's a good thing. Good timing, just before this really gets uh, hot and uh, really gets up and running. This is an important election. People say all the time that elections are important. This one feels particularly important though, doesn't it? Look, mate, they've almost been in there for a decade. Can you believe that? (laughs) It's nine years now. And so what happens when you get coalition governments in for that long? They just wreck things. They wreck things really badly, either by just doing so because they don't believe in people's workers' rights or they don't believe in our institutions like Medicare or they just neglect stuff. So they let our rights rot in the vine. They just allow multinationals to get away with what they want to get away with. The longer it goes on, the worse it gets. So I guess the period of time is the thing that really makes it critically important, this election. Morrison's out there saying he wants to run on his economic record his, and credibility. But I mean, what's the reality of that for workers? Well, <laughs> what, what's the real thing for workers? Are your living standards going up? Yeah. Well, are they going down? And at the moment, You look at all the bills coming in, they're all going up and they're all going up a lot. We haven't seen inflation like this for quite a long time. At the same time, wages are going nowhere. In fact, they're going backwards. Last year, the average worker lost $800. That's obviously a lot. And you'd think that'd be like your number one KPI if um, you're the Prime Minister. Are my people doing better or are they doing worse? And we are doing worse. And so what is the economy? It's people, isn't it? And if all the people are doing worse, other than, of course, corporations who add a 13% increase in their profits, I'd say that that's a fail. It is a fail. And we've just seen the ghosts of the old industrial relations legislation that they tried to squeeze through the parliament through their now notorious omnibus bill last year start to be revived as well. And one of the things that's important in that was the better off overall test, which is something that unions have fought really hard to keep. Can you explain what that is and why it's important that people are aware of this and what the consequences could be? Well, this is the true colours of the Liberal Party. They want to remove this test, which is basically a really key protection for all workers, and that stops employers cutting your wages, taking it backwards. It just means if you're going to negotiate something, it's got to leave you better off rather than worse off. And so what they want to do is completely weaken that, really reduce the power of the independent umpire to stop dodgy agreements. This is the same thing they did under work choices. They took away that test altogether, you know, and what happened is they made this announcement. Then they realised they were getting hammered. Then they tried to say, oh, maybe maybe it's not all going to be taken away, like totally shifty. Like we just judge them on their record. They've always gone after workers' rights and that is like the number one way you do it. You take away the floor and then employers will always try and, you know, reduce costs however they can. And if you did that, of course, wages will go backwards. Wages are huge in this election. It's probably the first time in a while that uh, that we've been able to put this on the agenda so that it's number one issue for most working Australians. What can governments do realistically to get wages moving again? If, you know, if you're going to run on a campaign of, of getting wages to move and, and to grow wages, what can you be doing? Yeah, number one actor, the number one most powerful group that can do anything about wage rises is the federal government. And I say that for a few reasons. First of all, they set the rules of the game, right? 
So they set the rules of the game for bargaining, for what minimum wages are. That's called the law and that's their law. And so those current laws at the moment are so bad that they've just totally crushed wages growth. So they could come along and say, okay, we're going to fix those rules so that it's fairer for workers. That would be like the number one thing they could do. Then, of course, there's the issue of insecure work. They could go about also fixing those rules so that workers have more job security. When you have got more job security, you've got more bargaining power. So you've got a better ability to ask for a pay increase because you know you're not going to be sacked the next day or just left off the roster. Pretty straightforward. That will make a big difference. They're the biggest employer in the country. The Australian Public Service is, you know, the biggest. If they um, gave their workers an increase that kept up with the cost of living, that sends a message to everyone else. But these workers have had a 2% pay increase. That's actually a pay cut, big real wage pay cut, actually. So that's depressing wages. They could change the rules to stop wage theft. Um, They've not done that. They've refused to do that. So obviously when bosses can get away with paying less than even what the minimum is, it drags it down for everyone else as well. They could get behind the aged care workers who are currently Mm. trying to get a pay rise. They are the funding body. If they don't support those workers, they won't get that pay rise. So, I mean, there's a list of things. And it's not like Scott Morrison said, oh, I think I might try one of them and see if it works. He's tried none of them. He's got all of these options open to him and actually more but they're the main ones and he's chosen um, not to. Oh, yeah, the other big thing is that annual wage review. Every single year, we, the union movement, goes and makes an argument to the Fair Work Commission that wages should go up for 25% of the workforce. The government goes and employers go. Well, Scott Morrison's um, going and he's supporting the employers, not the union movement, in getting pay rises. So another clear thing they could do, which is also choosing to not do. You mentioned insecure work there. More and more Australians are finding themselves without what we would traditionally know as a permanent job where you've got a job, you've got entitlements like sick pay, holiday pay, superannuation. They're working contracts, gig work, casual work. Some people want that, but lots of people would really love the security of a job. How concerning is it for you that this is the way that our economy has moved? Well, basically, it affects people's way of life. It affects everything, everything from their mental health right through to if they've got kids, the quality of their life as well, and to the quality of actually communities. If people don't know when they're working, obviously they can't volunteer and help out in other ways too. And so because we've seen this big shift, we've seen an increase in wage theft, we've seen an increase in mental health issues, We've basically meant that people in insecure work have also ended up being second-class citizens, like not having the same rights as those in permanent jobs. You think, well, this goes way beyond the issue of casual work. Now we've got gig economy, got fixed-term contracts, we've got labour hire. And what's happened is employers have just tried to find every loophole they can to make jobs insecure so they can pay them less, right? And they found all these loopholes. So what can the government do? You know what? Those same bosses find the loopholes for tax laws all the time. They're trying to find loopholes and they do. And what do governments do? They update the laws all the time to close those loopholes. Have they closed any for insecure work? No, they haven't because the employers like it and the government will not act on something because all those employers are Scott Morrison's backers. So there are levers you can pull, aren't there, if there was the willpower legislatively to make sure that people are doing the same sort of work as someone standing alongside them who've got a permanent job, get a permanent job, for instance. So they're, they're working in the same job, same pay. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in other countries in the world, they're faced with the same issues because these are global corporations finding these loopholes. So, for example, endless fixed-term contracts that expire In the OECD, so that's all the developed countries, it's really unusual to have ongoing 
endless fixed term contracts, there's limits put on it. So in Europe, you know, most countries have only two before you've got to be given a permanent job. We have endless. So that could change to fix that particular problem with casuals. You know, you should not be allowed to call a job that's ongoing, that's there all the time, a casual job and take people's rights off them. For example, in aged care, right? So many of them are in casual work, yet there's 24 seven shifts, seven days a week. This is simply because the employers can get away with it because the law allows them to do it. Same job, same pay is to do with the issue of labor hire, where basically another business models propped up of labor hire companies say, listen, We'll take over your whole workforce and we'll cut, we'll slash your wages bill. And so this has been basically a rort, a way of getting away from employment conditions that workers have fought for. So again, in other countries, they've changed the laws to ensure same job, same pay, and employers stop doing it because they've all got to follow the same rules. So uh, it's simply a deliberate neglect on behalf of this government on because they're acting on behalf of the big business in this country. And as you said, these are, have real-world consequences, profound consequences for workers. You know, that job security is the foundation of a strong, vibrant community, isn't it? If you've, got a, if you've got a permanent job that you can sort of build your future on, so much changes. Yeah, absolutely. You can get loans. Pretty important if you want to start building a life. You've got a better ability to be able to rent a place in a very competitive rental market, as we know. Being able to plan and have a reliable income is the basis for planning a, a life. So it makes a huge difference. What do we learn about the importance of manufacturing during the pandemic? And how, how is that important to workers in the union movement as we look at this election and how that's going to sort of you know, navigate the future for Australia? Well, there's been a lot of mindless globalisation that has gone on for quite a period of time. And that, what I mean by that is we've just let the free market decide all of that and think, oh, well, that's all fine, it's all worked out, hasn't it? And all of a sudden the pandemic comes along, we realise, oh, my God, we don't manufacture face masks. We need face masks. We don't have vaccines here uh, anymore. We're on the end of a supply chain, a global supply chain. So when a factory doesn't work in China, well, sorry, Australia, you're, you're going to have to wait for a long time for anything. It's quite scary. Very scary, but it's sort of that basic thing. We should be self-sufficient on all of the essential basics. When you've got a manufacturing industry in your country, which we don't really have at the moment because the Liberals, you know, got rid of it, you also lose the skills base too. So being able to be self-reliant at times of crisis, I think is really, really important at any time, but it's actually really important at the moment. And the union movement, even in the middle of the pandemic, came up with a plan and a very specific plan on, on how Australian manufacturing can reorient itself in the new world. And if you read it, if you're a bit of a nuffy like we are when it comes to these things, it's actually quite exciting. There's lots of really interesting ideas, uh, new strong manufacturing, smart manufacturing, that where Australia can actually be at the front of the queue when it comes to making materials and things for ourselves and for the rest of the world. Yeah, because as a country, we've got a whole lot of materials that can be mined and turned into products that are going to be needed in the new economy. So when we talk about that, there's obviously a big shift that's happening with renewables uh, at the moment. And this is happening all around the world. But because we've got a lazy do nothing government that in the end doesn't care about workers, like if a big multinational shuts down and people lose their jobs, you know, they're never going to assist people. So rather than thinking ahead and saying, okay, this is the way things are going, what can we do to support our own people so that we can take advantage of this change? They do nothing, they leave it to business. And in the end, that outcome we know will be a bad one for workers. Aged care is another huge issue. Although the care economy is massive, uh, the number of workers in the care economy is it probably one of the largest employers. It is now. 
Absolutely. across the, you know, the whole economy, yet workers are working in casualised work, very low paid, demanding work that is seeing people just burn out. Like we're just asking so much of our carers, it's it's quite heartbreaking, but it is an issue in this election. And the, one of the Labor Party has gone to the election saying it wants to put a, a registered nurse in every nursing home, which is a, a massive start. But it's only part of the issue, isn't it, in terms of fixing the care economy and looking after workers in that economy. You know what this goes to? Basic respect. Yeah. Basic respect for all of those workers, let's talk about in aged care, who look after our elders and every single day, there's that. Those workers face the most horrendous circumstances during the pandemic, they are absolute front line. They were the only people there with our elders when it was at mm. its worst, the pandemic. Now, any single one of us could end up in a aged care residence. Now, shouldn't we be aiming for the very best? And how you respect our elders is by how you respect the workers who support them. And so it should be a valued career in our country to have a job in aged care because um, what can be more um, rewarding than supporting the people who contributed the most, our you know, grandparents? Like, And if we valued our grandparents, we would value those who care for them. So this is a shift in mentality, but it is also what they deserve. It's basic respect. Now, listen, we don't have to work out what to do because a whole Royal Commission Mm. sorted that out for us. They heard from everyone. It's not even the union movement saying this. This is a Royal Commission saying it, that you've got to value those workers. You've got to pay them properly. You've got to give them the skills they need and you've got to make sure that you've got workers with the skills, like, for example, nurses in aged care homes. So there is a case before the Fair Work Commission at the moment. It's called a work value case. And without getting into all the detail, basically it looks at the value of aged care work and how important it is and, and you know, just what it, people are doing to earn a living relative to what they're being paid. And it shows that there's a huge gap at the moment. And, you know, they're basically saying a 25% increase in wages. Well, that's fair cop. That's just getting started. But the government won't even support that. Yeah, so... This is something I know heaps about because the last successful case like this was for community workers and for them to get a pay rise and I was involved in that. Thing is, right, is aged care is funded by the government. So those aged care providers, some of them are for profit, some of them aren't. What the government decides to give them in the end will determine whether or not they can pay a pay rise. So even if the Fair Work Commission said you should have a pay rise, if the government doesn't fund it, no one's going to see that money, right? So... The Commission will want to know what does the funding body say? What does the government say? So it's not as if Scott Morrison's just sitting on his hands. He's actively damaging their case by not coming in and saying, you make the decision, should they have a pay rise? If you decide they deserve it, we'll fund it. That's what Julia Gillard did for community workers and it's why we won those pay increases because no one could go argue that people were going to lose jobs. So it's absolutely critical that Scott Morrison does back those aged care workers. The fact is not as disgraceful. Just to finish, a couple more questions. One is on the economy and the environment. Like the 2019 election was set up as a basically, you know, a binary choice. Either you're for jobs and the economy or you're for the environment and you can't be for both. That isn't the case, is it? Well, I mean, there's new industries that are um, popping up around the world, not necessarily in Australia (laughs) now, about renewables and about new green economy that will be needed. That's just happening. The thing is, is, as I said before, There's a whole lot of jobs in that area and Australia is a better place than so many other countries to be in that industry and to be on the forefront of it, but we're choosing not to. We're choosing not to because we've got a whole lot of dinosaurs that don't even want to talk about the issue or even recognise that it's a serious one. You know, if they didn't care about environmental damage, the destruction to our planet, you think they'd care about the destruction of our jobs. 
Just to finish, we're sort of only really the first two weeks of this campaign, another month to go. What would you say to workers and uh, people who are watching about how they should engage with the campaign and, and how they can have that, those conversations with people? Not everyone's going to be as engaged as we are in it until maybe right at the end, but those conversations are really important, aren't they? Yeah, listen, I'd say this is that 15% of the population, maybe even 20, haven't decided and they don't pay attention. Like there's a whole group of the population that just don't pay attention, don't aren't interested in politics, aren't following like the day-to-day. Albo said this, Morrison said this. Those are the people that are going to matter mm. and they're the ones that are, especially marginal seats, they're the ones who will decide who the new, next Prime Minister is. So each one of us in our homes, in our workplaces, in our families will have someone that is part of that 15%, all of us. Those people are on Facebook, they're engaged on social media. So each one of us has a really strong role to play in influencing those people. So we should be filling in the blanks for them. If they haven't really thought too much about Scott Morrison and his leadership, tell them, remind them that he was a bloke that didn't order us vaccines because he didn't think it was a race. He was a bloke that nicked off to Hawaii during the bushfire crisis because he said he doesn't hold a hose. He was the one who did nothing about the sexual assault in his own workplace. Like he's someone who's missing in action as a leader. Our job is to fill in the blanks for those people to have a clear picture of who Scott Morrison is as a leader and like why we can't afford another three years of him. Every single one of us can do that. It's just a matter of consciously going about doing it. Sally, thanks for being here. I know you're going to be very busy over the next four weeks. We wish you all the best in your recovery from COVID no as worries, well. No worries, mate. Catch you on the campaign trail. That's it for this edition of On The Job. Don't forget australianunions.org.au to find out more throughout the campaign and also to join your union. That's the best way to protect your job and others. Become union member and we'll catch you for the next edition of On The Job. We all know there are moments in your life when super plays its part, both while working and in retirement. So it makes sense to be with a long-term, top-performing industry super fund like Australian Super. It's Australian, it's super, and it's yours. Disclaimer, past performance is not an indicator of future returns. Read the PDS and TMD at australiansuper.com.